welcome to This Is Modern Rock. I'm Will Westerkow, and I'm joined today by Jason Traeger. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Jason, you are a comedian. I am a comedian. I invited you here because I had a listener accuse me of being you. That's that's a dirty, low-down accusation. That's right. And I said, you know, <laughs> we can't put up with these kind of lies. Nope. Bring Let's you prove in. it by doing this podcast that no one can actually see. They might think that it's just a voice trick. It could be. Have you heard about the new Adobe thing, the Photoshop for the voice? Yes. Yes. Think what podcasts are going to be like when that thing's that's done. That's going to be incredible. Be I, me talking with Barack Obama for a few hours. Yeah. I can interview anyone I want. <laughs> yep. I'm looking forward to that. Amazing to even think about Yeah, two I'll, years from now. I know. I wonder what the legal issues are going to be, though. Endless. Because I mean, the same thing exists now for video, where you can like put the face of something. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those videos? I've seen a few. Yeah. yeah. You can put anybody's face on anybody's. Like They were talking about porn. Uh-huh. People just assigning faces, and it looks like the actual person is not like a floating picture over somebody's face. Yeah, I got to say, though, I, I'm going to miss the floating faces. <laughs> <laughs> the old, that would yeah. be old school retro floating yeah. face stuff. Yeah. Okay, well. Um, but yeah, what were we talking about? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we're talking about music we're here to talk about music and um you actually do have a background in music. oh yeah big time big time yeah i grew up in the punk scene of the west coast in the 80s and was you know in the music business in the 90s i worked at alternative tentacles records in san francisco the Dave kennedy's label and then i worked at k records in olympia in the early 90s and toured with bands and i put out records myself and yeah, that was my life, really, up until, like, say, the late 90s. Nice. And did you get sick of it or just... Yeah, I kind of just burned out on it as a... Uh, just for my own personal reasons, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And uh, that's when I got interested in comedy. I've always been doing visual art, too, right. all, all the time. It was, like, visual art all the way through, music for those 80s and 90s, and then after that, it's comedy was the primary sort of performative thing. But I've always done even music stuff through that time too but mostly just for myself Mm -hmm. little things here and there yeah and you've continued to do music just for yourself yeah and i'm actually doing it more now than than i have in many years i'm i've been playing music with an old friend of mine from high school don ankrum who he was in the band pitchfork that that spawned uh drive like jehu and rocket from the crypt Mm -hmm. those those bands so he's from that world and me and him have been playing music just doing things that we're going to perform called the traeger method band all right yeah, I was wondering about the Traeger method. It's, it's developing. Yeah. It's an exploration. It's a modality. We're, we're trying to find out. It's my brand. Okay. Traeger method. Yeah. And you did artwork for Maximum Rock and Roll, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. did a uh, lot you of did drawings Concert and posters and... for various bands. Oh, and... yeah. Somebody sent me a link to the sock company that does these very detailed decorated socks of various kinds, and they uh-huh. had a punk sock. And my suicide, a suicidal tendencies flyer that I drew in probably like 85 was like by far the most prominent wow. graphic on there. And I like tweeted at him a few times, not trying to get money, but yeah. just being like, you know, hey, you want to hook me up with some socks? Yeah, you know, yeah. Give me at least like five. I thought they would just shower me in socks. Yeah. They never got in touch with any oh, of them. And I was like, rude. dude, you used my drawing from when I was a high school kid. You're basically stealing the labor of a high school kid. Yeah. For your profit, and yeah. then you won't give me a pair of socks. Not even a pair of socks. Yeah, that is weak. I'm just fighting for my inner child. It's disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I should have just gotten more direct and been like, "Hey, can I have some socks?" Yeah, they were probably worried that I would ask for money. Probably. Yeah. Stupid. So, um, you being in kind of an American hardcore punk scene, did you view modern rock as too close to the mainstream, or was it something that you said like, "Hey, this is actually cool. This is something different than what is being played on." you know, mainstream radio, you know, it was case by case. And I was super obsessed with punk and hardcore and the scene and going to these small shows, you know, that we were involved in. But my girlfriend, you know, she was like into psychedelic rock and kind of the Paisley underground and red hot chili peppers and all that kind of alternative rock and REM and stuff like that. 
basically back then, you know, you were kind of interested in anything that wasn't, you know, mustache rock or hair metal, you mm-hmm. know, they were like cousins, but you know, it was case by case though. Cause you know, really shimmery British synth pop. I wouldn't have given any time to, or been interested in or. Yeah. All right. Well, in February, 1990, Smoking was banned on cross-country flights in the United States. That's it, 90s. Yeah, 1990. Nelson Mandela was released from prison after 27 years. Yes, that was huge. I had a lot of Mandela shirts. And what else? Paula Abdul was topping the pop charts with Opposites Attract. That one doesn't come to mind what that tune was. I remember the video a little bit. It was uh, semi-animated. There was like a a cartoon Hmm. cat that she danced with. I don't know if you're giving me a false memory or if I have a real one, but I kind of picture that now. Yeah. All right. So in the second week of February 1990, we have a new song hitting number one, and it's by an artist named Peter Murphy. Peter Murphy from Bauhaus. Yeah, that's right. Peter Murphy is often referred to as the godfather of goth. Goth father. Bauhaus was formed in 1978. And they put out a single, Bella Lugosi's Dead, which... Oh, dear. Yeah, that's that's kind of... Classic. Yeah. it's Such a good song. It's usually referred to as like the starting point of goth. Like, that's where it all began. For sure. It's got all the elements. It's about horror. How long is that song? That's it's also a long the one song. that does that really oh my gosh. long lead in. So cool. I don't know, nine minutes, something like that. The guitar sound. Yeah. That's that whole sort of post-punk, even though it's still in the 70s, it's, you know, that kind of guitar-based, dark, a lot of space. Yeah. Very northern English bleak. Yeah. Bauhaus, they were they made some headway three albums in. They had reached number four on the UK album charts, mm-hmm. and things were looking pretty good for them. During the recording of their fourth album, Peter Murphy got ill, and the rest of the band had to carry on without him. They ended up writing some songs without him, and actually they did some lead vocals without him. So some of the songs are not sung by Peter Murphy. Whoa. And by the time they were ready to release it, tensions were high in the band, and they ended up splitting up after that album. Mm. So the rest of the band goes on to form Love and Rockets, which met with quite a bit of success. Yeah, they became very big. And Peter Murphy actually, he starts a band called Dolly's Car, they only put out one album. Yeah. And then he goes solo. Yeah. And he definitely has a loyal following. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure he has a really good career just in terms of uh, those loyal people who are like, he's right. a legend in right. the genre. He just did a 15 date stay in San Francisco playing the same residency. venue. Your residency. That's right. And he did each album, like one night would be one album, another night would be another album. And then he wrapped it up with three nights of Bauhaus songs. So clearly, at least in San Francisco, if he can wow. do a 15 night residency, I mean, he's got some kind of following. Well, he's got people like traveling to go see him. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. By the time he released his third album, which is called Deep, he managed to hit number 44 on the album charts. And it included three singles that all managed to get to the modern rock charts. And one of those is his only song to ever hit the Hot 100. And that's the song we're going to hear today. It's called Cuts You Up. Cuts Let's you do up. it. Yeah. That really is modern rock. Yeah. I think that's a good song. I like that song a lot. Yeah, and it's, it's a nice one. really surprising to me that it's that pretty. made no impact in the UK. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. 
I see it. That it's a good radio tune. It was really surprising to me the first time I heard some Peter Murphy solo work because I was really impressed by his voice. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have assumed that he had such a nice voice. Really, I mean, it's very distinctive. Yeah, he's got this good. this mellow baritone that it's yeah. Bowie esque kind of. It is a little Bowie esque, uh, but it's warm and it's warm. Yeah, and it's, it's affected in a cool way. That kind of she's in parties, mm-hmm. kind of Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> she's in the game. Yeah, in a very Bowie in a good way. Yeah, really good. You have any thoughts about Cut You Up? I think that's that's a good sounding track from that era. Mm-hmm. It sounds pretty timeless. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the strings on this song... I like the strings. Yeah, they, they're synthesized strings. Well, they are. They were done as for the demo, and they tried bringing in some actual violas. Wasn't good. Didn't like them. Stick, with the, yeah. stick with the synth. It sounds good. Just adds to the modern rock cred. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> you know, a couple fun facts about Peter Murphy that I forgot to mention earlier. Before Bauhaus split up, they managed to get a gig in a movie. Vampire movie. That's right, The Hunger. Yeah, The Hunger. With uh, Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon and David Bowie, actually. One of the, yes, yeah. one of the hottest movies. You've seen that one? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the culture that like was parallel to punk, you know, mm-hmm. and often was like access through girls that you knew. Mm-hmm. You know, typically, like in Southern California, it was very common for like punk rock guys to date goth type girls. Really? Or yeah. garage rock girls, psychedelic girls. Nice. But yeah, you know, your girlfriend, my girlfriend's always liked uh, Bauhaus and David Bowie and all that stuff. And so through them, I was like exposed to that and I liked it too. Yeah. And Bauhaus was actually in that movie performing yeah. mm-hmm. Bella Lugosi's Dead. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great scene. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Maxell advertisement where there's a guy sitting in a chair yes. and like, yeah, it's like Getting really his famous. hair blown back yeah. by the sound of the speaker. Peter Murphy was the guy in the UK version of that ad campaign. Huh. He's the guy in the chair getting his yeah, hair Yeah, he's back. got like model good looks, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's got the cheekbones. Yeah, that's what I picture, mm-hmm. cheekbones. Yeah. Angular. So Peter Murphy never manages to uh, duplicate the success of this song, but... Um, you know, there it was. This is this big hit. Cut More than up. most people have. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like he's doing pretty well for I'm himself. I'm sure he's... Yeah. Well, uh, since Peter Murphy was on the top of the charts for so long, there was no room for anyone else. But our next band managed to hit number two, the Jesus and Mary Chain. Oh, awesome band. Such a cool band. We've talked about them before on this show. This is a Scottish duo led by Jim and William Reed. We are the Reed brothers. No, how do you, how do you say brothers? <laughs> It's We're from Glasgow. W- welcome to the show, Jim and William. It's good to be here. <laughs> we like it. This band started with more members, but by 1990, they had trimmed down to just the duo of the yeah. brothers. And they were using a lot of keyboards. They were using a synthesized bass. They were using synthesized drums. Yeah, they had actual hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their album, Automatic, was critically derided at the time. I think a lot of people were not happy with the new direction. In retrospect, there's a lot of people who actually really enjoy this album. Mm -hmm. And it does have some pretty strong singles, at least. I don't know if I'd say it's a great album, but the singles are good. So we're going to hear a song called Head On. This reached number two on the Modern Rock charts. It was the second single from Automatic. And it was released in seven different versions one of which came with a special little cardboard box that would hold all of the versions. So if you wanted to collect 
seven different singles of head on and keep them in a nice little container. Wow, that's can, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. It's kind of awesome and I kind of hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a classic 90s thing to do. I did get caught up in that kind of thing in the 90s for sure where it's like I'm buying comic books and they're like we got six different covers you yeah, got to buy them sure. all so you can It's a classic move. Cashing in. Yeah. But it's also taking advantage of your hardcore fans, right? Well, it's just giving them more what they want. I guess so. Yeah. So, um, I mean, those, that collection of singles is probably worth money now. That's probably true. You listen to Jesus and Mary Chain at all? Oh, yeah. Yep. Love them. They're great. Jesus and Mary Chain were kind of, uh, well, they were just a very punk band without being like an explicitly punk band. Yeah. Just very, I don't give a rat's doodle, you know. That seems to be the case, yeah. Early Jesus and Mary Chain shows were all legendary for the riots that they inspired because they would just play like three songs and it was just a, yeah. a thing almost where that people would go there just to riot because mm-hmm. they always knew they were going to play three songs. Wouldn't that have been really disappointing if they actually played like a full set? Yeah. Like, oh, there's nothing to get mad about. Switched. I'm sure that period only lasted a year or two, but yeah. it was pretty legendary. But yeah, then, you know, they're just a cool Velvet Underground-ish kind of psychedelic surf. They just touch on a lot of cool genres and mm-hmm. reference a lot of amazing bands. Yeah. And they did it all with style and panache and some really just awesome hit records. Should we listen to Head On? Sure. Let's do it. It's, it's basically like a surf rock girl group kind of song yeah. with big guitars and yeah i like how heavy this stuff sounds but without sounding at all metal, metal. At yeah all, like yeah. not in the slightest no. yeah but it's like a real thick heavy the way like, powerful could sound. Be really heavy yeah yeah so you heard that one at the time oh like, yeah for yeah. sure that was a big hit yeah i i first heard this song as a cover because the pixies oh yeah covered mm-hmm. the song right it's very pixies influence mm-hmm. and I they mean, actually covered it Fairly soon afterwards, actually. Mm-hmm. It was within a year or two. Yeah. Which is kind of a strange thing. I mean, that was done a lot in the 60s, maybe, but right. that doesn't seem to happen too much anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's not common. It's yeah. true. It's a cool move. Yeah. And it's going to be one of the few songs that shows up on the modern rock charts more than once. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of, of those ones. Yeah. In that style, for sure. Yeah. Any other thoughts about that one? I like it. It's a very good one. I see why that was a hit. Yeah. And it's timeless. It sounds good now. Yeah. I think so, too. And uh, the attitude. It's just got a good attitude. I like their hair. Yep, their hair's great. They had great style. You know, classic, again, Velvet Underground, just the black sunglasses and teased up hair and that pale Scottish skin. And they had that attitude. If you watch like early uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, they're like, we're good. That's why we're popular. Uh Because we're so much better than all the other bands that are trash. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, that's cool. They're cocky. Yeah. All right, we're going to go in a very different direction for our next song. Uh, We're going to be listening to They Might Be Giants. Oh, yes. And they're two guys, right? Mm-hmm. John somebody. John and John. John Linnell and John Flansburg. John Flansburg, yeah. Yeah. John and John. Yeah. Don't let's start. Yeah, they might be giants were formed in nineteen eighty two in New York. And they were um originally just those two guys and a drum machine. Mm-hmm. And that's right. they started something called Dial a Song in 1985. That's right. That's where they got famous. And they'd get a... a Every day you could... <laughs> they got an answering machine they'd record songs onto, and then they'd plaster this phone number all around town. People would call the number and then they'd hear the message and the message was their song and they'd have like a new song every day or yeah. every week or whatever just 
tons and tons of songs. They performed their first concert under the name El Grupo de Rock and Roll <laughs> at a Sandinista rally. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, where? Uh, in New York, I think. I uh-huh. th- yeah. El Grupo de Rock and Roll. Yeah. But shortly thereafter, they changed their name to They Might Be Giants. Nice. Of course, I think it was inspired by a movie of the same name. Mm, I don't know that. Hmm. So in 1990, they released their third album, Flood. This is their biggest album. Yeah. It peaked at number 75 on the album charts, which is not that high, but it has gone platinum. Whoa. And this is They Might Be Giants' only platinum album. They also have had three gold albums uh, with some children's albums. Mm, They did Here Come the ABCs, Here Come the 123s, and Here Come Science. Of course. All of which went gold, which is crazy because that's... That's their second, third, and fourth best-selling album. They were kids' albums. Totally makes sense, man. That's like one of the main places that people buy records now is like buying records for kids because yeah. they become such a big part of kids' lives. And if there's a good one that the kids love, you're gold. Because right. also word of mouth is huge with parents. Right. And I, and I think that's one of the amazing things about They Might Be Giants. People that loved them back in the day, they stuck with them. Like, yeah. yeah and they're like, okay, maybe I'm not buying They Might Be Giants' newest adult albums, but... I just remember loving it so much as a kid. I yeah. want to expose my kids to this. I'm going to... Yeah, and you know they're going to be up. good because yeah. those guys are so smart and talented. Yeah. So one of the ways that I was exposed to this band early on was two songs from this album, Flood, mm-hmm. were turned into cartoon music videos on the television show Tiny Toons Adventures. Is that right? What's that? What's Tiny Toons? Yeah. It was like kid versions of all of the classic Warner Brothers cartoon characters. And, you know, they went to school together Mm -hmm. and and all that sort of thing. But there's this episode, and they have three music videos. One is a Madonna song, and two of them are They Might Be Giants. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so they did Particle Man, Mm -hmm. and they did Istanbul, not Constantinople. And uh, that really got me hooked. Yeah. And um, the song we're going to hear is called Birdhouse in Your Soul. Birdhouse in Your Soul. This was their biggest hit. It reached number three on the modern rock charts. It reached number six in the UK. And it did not hit the Hot 100 at all. They Might Be Giants actually have never had a song on the Hot 100. Really? Yeah. Never had the big hits. Yeah, they're, they're a cult band. Yeah. For sure. I mean, They Might Be Giants have a serious fan base. Yes. I mean, dedicated fan base. Yeah. I've seen them a couple times. Three times? Seems like a fun show. It's a fun show. They have a full band? I've seen them as like a five-piece, like a rock band. Mm-hmm. I've seen them with horn sections mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, I can see it going a lot of yeah, and I've seen ways. and I've seen them duoing mm-hmm. um, the old drum machine. Yeah, and uh, like puppets involved. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's awesome. All kinds of good stuff. See, that to me is punk. Just creating your own world and your own thing that you like with fans that love you, and you give them something and they give you something in return. It's just it's great. Yeah, and to have a long decades long career doing what you love. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. Yeah, let's go ahead and listen to the song "Birdhouse in Your Soul." Birdhouse in Your Soul. I don't know that I've ever heard that song or have, have ever had any awareness of it. Wow, that's strange. Yeah, I just missed that one somehow. I mean, I can picture the whole music video, like front to back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you're just not plugged into certain things at a certain time, they can just 
go by. Sure. But uh, I liked it. it. I was saying while I was playing that it has a kind of Bach feel mm-hmm. to it. Very um, organ sounding. Yeah, the and, keyboard sounds a little harpsichord The structure of it too is like, kind of classical. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point, I've heard the song so many times that it's hard for me to like get incredibly excited about it. But I really, truly think this is one of the great pop songs. Hmm. Like, I think if, if you were going to make that list of like top 200 pop rock songs ever written, I would for sure put this on the list. Wow, that's great. I think it's so immediate. I think it's unusual. Yeah, that song, that was very creative. And structurally, if you listen to what's going on, it's interesting. I mean, I can clearly understand why some people would not be drawn to it. And I can see why some people might dismiss it as being kind of a kid's song. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's, it's his voice more than anything. I think so, in too. General, that, that puts yeah. them in a very... That, it's very distinctive and it's its own thing that if you don't like it and you're not into it and you can't get over it, I could see people going like, it's all kids music. It's all for little kids or yeah. it's all, you know, cause it has that sound right. that is very um, not rock and roll. Right. It's very much not rock and roll. It's very much not rock and roll. But if you like it, you could see it for what it is. It's a cool voice. Yeah. It's a distinctive voice. You hear it once and you go, that's, you know, you know exactly like you heard They Might Be Giant song. You never wonder if that's who it is right and not just because of his voice but it's quirky and strange and it's neat that this was on the same charts at the same time as you know peter murphy and jesus and mary chain i was always interested in bands that had drum machine and two people or one person Mm -hmm. Um, i thought that was so cool i love the idea back then especially of the compactness of it yeah Um, there was a band called godflesh that were like a metal band i think they were on earache just two dudes and a drum machine yeah and they were the super heavy you know really really heavy band but i just like the idea of the compactness of just throwing it on a suitcase and yeah. <laughs> traveling the world ween is another one of those two-piece bands yeah a lot of people bring up ween when uh, talking about they might be giants i can see that very different but at the same time uh, very idiosyncratic mm-hmm. and uh masterful and two-piece yeah, yeah a lot of genre hopping mega genre hopping mm-hmm. ween's kind of the ultimate genre hopping band yeah yeah just a weird chameleon right uh all right we got one more band here we're gonna talk about a band called stone roses stone roses yeah love the stone roses yeah yeah stone roses formed in 1983 and they are often considered a, a pioneering madchester oh band. they were yeah by far in fact i read a quote said they virtually invented Manchester and built a template for Britpop on their debut album. Yeah, and they fell apart because of bad management, horrible manager. Yeah. They signed some crazy contract that was like 10 albums, the manager gets a third of everything Ugh. forever, you know, and it just and then they like kicked out one of their their members because he wanted him gone because he wouldn't sign this contract and yeah. just bad bad stuff. Well, right, and and after this album was such a big success for them, they yeah. didn't release another album album for five and a half years and by that time the world had just moved on that's right yeah and this is i don't know this is kind of interesting for me thinking about how they're always held up uh, as being such a big madchester influence because listening to their first album other than one song it doesn't sound very dancey to me i don't think it's yeah it's it's, it's jangly, jangly yeah 60s music. and it's not till the the very end yeah. fool's gold that, mm-hmm. that it's got that dance feel that sounds kind of happy mondays yeah and, the rave thing was a side thing of that, you know. Yeah. Whereas the Happy Mondays were much more into kind of the rave music, like in terms of the dance thing. But there was the rock thing that went all the way through it, the the more Beatles psychedelic uh, rock thing that went from Stone Roses to Oasis. Yeah. But yeah, they're a guitar band, and they had the image, the style. They were just a cool band. Yeah. Here's kind of a fun fact: their first ever gig 
was opening for Pete Townsend of The Who at an anti-heroin benefit show. Wow. Which is totally nuts. Yeah, that's like, pretty nuts. I'm sure In there's some story behind that, yeah. but yeah. But how does that happen? You like throw a band together and just like, oh, you want to open for Pete Townsend? At an I'll, anti-heroin mm, thing sure. in Manchester. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Yeah, they were around for quite a time before they became huge. They were kind of one of those bands that was just hated. There was a big thing with the like Manchester hated Stone Roses. They were just ridiculed and, and despised by the, the cool... Manchester, which was around Factory Records uh-huh. and all that. And then it took like, yeah, something like five or six years of just fighting against the the scene. And then finally yeah. it all flipped. Right. And, and they did some recording, didn't release much. They did a yeah. single here. And then yeah. by the time that it was released, they had kind of changed their sound completely. Yeah. So it wasn't until 1989, they finally put out their debut album, yeah. which ended up going triple platinum in the UK. Yeah, it's funny how huge they were there, whereas, you know, they were the biggest band. And that album is like considered one of the greatest all-time records, and that's just not the case in America. Yeah. Yeah. They started out trying to make a name for themselves by spray painting their band name all around town. And there's a notorious incident where they were going to open for the band James. Oh, yeah. I saw James and, before. And they they made their own posters putting their names as the headliners. Mm-hmm. And then they tried to delay the show so that they could come on during the, the headliner slot uh-huh. and force James to come on after them, like mm-hmm. later when everyone wants to go home. That's funny. Yeah. What was James's hit? They had a hit. That Laid? Was... I think that's, that's the biggest one I know. Yeah. I saw them in San Francisco at, uh, probably in... That run around this time, like 90. Yeah. yeah. I was exposed to all those bands because of Alternative Tentacles, actually. We, we, well, I got in free to all shows in San Francisco in the, in nice. the early 90s, late 80s because of AT. But we were particularly friends with all the Manchester people because of the Inspiral Carpets. Do you mm-hmm. know who that band was? Yeah. They were great guys. And there was this guy, Graham, who's the guitarist of the Inspiral Carpets. And he was a huge Dead Kennedys fan. And so when uh, he came to San Francisco the first time, they were, they came to AT and, and hung out with us and just one of those weird things where like these guys you know, from Manchester playing the psychedelic music, but they were super fun guys, obviously. And actually I met Noel Gallagher from Oasis yeah. when he was their roadie on that first tour. And it was only like after Oasis got big and I saw something where he was talking about being the Inspiral Carpets roadie that I was like, it just flooded back to me. I was like, oh yeah, that was that guy. That was Noel Gallagher. Yeah. He was one of them. And they were just like the nicest dudes. Yeah. You know, you look at Oasis as like, they're the ones who, who did the thing, the Stone Roses were in position to do right and they were directly influenced i mean those guys from oasis they saw stone roses shows and were like yes we this is what we want to do oh yeah yeah it's the example of people doing the thing you want to do and showing it's possible yeah so we're going to listen to the first track from stone roses debut album stone roses uh and it's called i want to be adored such a cool guitar sound yeah john squire for me that song is one of the greatest opening tracks from any album i don't know it just like sets the tone for the album so perfectly yeah and you just enter into this lush yeah it's it's so good yeah it just kind of builds and starts and you just ease into it how the vocals begin with so quiet Mm -hmm. yeah yeah listeners are only going to hear a 30 second clip so uh they're not hearing that this song starts out with silence 
just such a slow lead in. You're you're not sure if it's actually on or not. Yeah. And then that bass kicks in. And the bass line. It's just such a great build. And the build. guitar does the little chunka chunka. Yeah. The drums kind of just ease in. It's just everything just eases in. Yeah. So, I actually so remember uh, hearing this for the first time. I had my little, uh, you know, disc man mm-hmm. and I had big old headphones and yeah. I just like walk around campus, like not hearing any sounds around me, like just listening to my music Nice. and uh, put this on for the first time and just like somehow it made me feel yeah. like the coolest person on campus. Just Well, it's the soundtrack. Yeah, no, I know that feeling exactly where you just, yeah, you're in a movie. Yeah. And it's so, it is very cinematic and like the... Um, the opening guitar, those descending kind of raindrop sounding. Mm-hmm. It's just very visual, very uh, evocative. And yeah, psychedelic. You, you're, you go on a trip. Yeah. And that's kind of how it enters is, is the, the scene opens up. You know? mm-hmm. And as it continues in the more driving part, it's really nice. But then that that background guitar, that kind of glass sound. It's almost My Bloody Valentine sounding. A little bit, yeah. Or like Heroes by Bowie or something, that big sound. It's uh-huh. just very appealing. Yeah, and you could see why it sparked a kind of psychedelic revolution. That and ecstasy. Yeah, these guys in floppy clothes, just lads who are like making this really beautiful music that's not aggro and right. it's it's cool. Yeah, yeah, the Stone Roses, man, one of those stories where they just didn't get the thing that they opened the door for many others to get it. Yeah, well, I mean, they got plenty of it though. Sure, <laughs> sure, but not what they could have. Yeah, it's interesting to me because uh, when I listen to this album, and I love this album, I think it's great. And as you said, it's often hailed as one of the great albums Definitely of all England, time. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that I think there's any one single on there that just blows me away as like like a radio single. Yeah, I think this is a great song, but it's almost surprising to me that it was released as a single. It feels like just an amazing album. Yeah, cut. yeah. Well, just the fact that it starts with that slow build. Yeah, that's a that's not a radio style thing to do. Yeah, you, know, you don't have a song that people are listening to on their radio for a full minute trying to figure out what they're hearing. Yeah, until the baseline kicks in. Yeah, but the album I think is just so cohesive and it's just so good mm-hmm. front to back. Even if there's nothing that stands out as like this amazing pop single, yeah. it just all fits together so yeah. nicely. It's just got its own sound that is great. Definitely. We're saying if you haven't heard it, you should go check it out. You got to check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's our four songs. That was fun. It was good. Yeah, it was a good it. month. Good month. Yeah, all the songs. Not a not a bad one in the bunch. Yeah. Do you ever get really bad songs, like ones that are just awful? Like, uh, what's the worst hmm. song that you've encountered? Oh, or do you pick ones that you like? Well, I usually pick uh, the top three songs of the month, okay. and then I pick a fourth one that I think is interesting I for see. some reason. So that's just the top three. But yeah, there there's some months that are definitely not as good as others. Mm. For sure, that makes sense. I think I think this was a particularly good month. Yeah, yeah. I know. You know, we could look at what else is on the charts real fast. We've got electronic. You know. Oh yeah, electronic was like Bernard Sumner and John yeah, Mar. That's right. Yeah, Kate Bush, UB40, Central World. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, Ian McCulloch from Echo and the Bunnymen. Oh yeah, Wonder Stuff. Wonder Stuff. Uh, Silencers. I don't know them. Smithereens. I know them. Ministry. Lenny Kravitz. Which and which Ministry? Burning Inside. Oh yeah. That was a band that we did spend a lot of time with in San Francisco because Al Jorgensen is a very good friend of Biafra's. They did a band together called Lard. Oh. And any of the ministry projects, we were friends with those people and spent a lot of time with them and Nine Inch Nails and... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, cool bands. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails is just popping up too. Uh, yeah. The previous month, they, oh, yeah. they hit the modern rock charts for the first time. I remember seeing Nine Inch Nails, maybe with Ministry, at the Warfield in San Francisco in that era and... 
the the thing you noticed with those two bands was that they were so loud and so perfect sounding. Like just you could hear every sound, you know, it's just how they could be so but so loud, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like whoa. But just incredible. Yeah. Really powerful. Yeah. All right. Well, I'd like to thank Jason Traeger for coming on and helping out. My pleasure to be here. And you can look at uh Jason Traeger comedy, TraegerMethod.com, Traeger Method on Instagram, Jason Traeger Comedy on Instagram, Facebook, Jason Traeger. No excuse not to get in touch. And yeah. if you have any questions or comments about things I might have said regarding music trivia, correct me if I'm wrong. Let me know. I would love to love to hear. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. If you would like to get in contact with me, you can reach me at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>